25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yes, sir. Back with you. Hour two. Starting right now. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi and all 82 counties available for you. Your hometown heroes are your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. Also staying connected to you around the clock, not just on the show, but maybe in all hours of night and day, tweeting and posting and streaming and videoing and uploading and streaming. And did I say that one already? All of that because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. You can be a part of the show. Lots of ways for you to do that. Hit me up on the text line. It's 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number. 885-ESPN or 885-3776. That's the country pleasing text line, 885-ESPN. A bunch of texts to get to. I'm going to do that right now. Uh, fr- leftover from hour one, part of our conversations there about dynasties and other stuff in sports. Some really good stuff on the text line. I'm coming to all that. Haven't forgotten it. Also, call me. Love to hear from you today. Give me a shout. Hit me up on the Divinity Equipment phone. It's 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. You can tweet me at Radio Wyatt. Hey to everybody who's watching the uh, Facebook stream, the uh, Twitter stream. we got hour two going as well. Started it over. Instead of having one big, long show on there, we're going to have it divided according to the hours. So y'all feel free to comment, question, opinion. Otherwise, I'll be able to see all of that. Right here on the screen, if you're watching the stream. So many opinions out there. They're all in the same ballpark, but it's interesting to me how so many different people have different tweaks and things the way they would describe a a dynasty. So here, on the country pleasing text, unnamed texture says, dynasties, Federer, Nadal, Williams. Okay, individual sports. See, when I said dynasty earlier, somebody immediately on Twitter goes, Tiger Woods. Yeah. He had a dynasty going. He was a dynasty in the sport of golf. Well, these folks had dynasties going. Nadal did as well. I mean, nobody questions Federer. Unnamed texture, UConn and Tennessee women's basketball. Yep. As I mentioned, uh, Sporting News did a long list. I think it was last year of the all-time top 15 or so sports dynasties. Well, they had UConn women's basketball in the top 10. I did not see Tennessee there. Mad male person said LSU baseball, definitely a dynasty. And you know that. Well, maybe I do. The thing is, male person, I I was just saying, I didn't Google it. How many championships over a period of time are we talking about for LSU baseball? I mean, is it two or three? I I just don't know. 
I don't, I don't have their stats off the top of my head. Maybe I should. But I don't. Jason and Flagstaff. Were the mid-90s Nebraska teams a dynasty or just one really good team? It's a great question. Ghost Pepper's giving me props for editing his first text that he came in earlier on the fly as I read it. That's why we're pros, Ghost Pepper. Flowtown Ghost said, so the Tongvaloa's uh, Alabama lease, paid lease is up. That's how I read that. Well, you know, again, yes, the whole world, we're naturally going to go down the cynical speculation route. The fact that there are two brothers on the team at Alabama, a senior or a junior and a freshman. They're from Hawaii. The older brother, five-star recruit, Tua Tongvaloa, goes to Alabama to college. His entire family moves to Alabama, to Alabaster. Younger brother goes to high school in Alabama, then recruited and signed with Alabama. But Tua gets drafted in the first round after his junior year, and now younger brother is transferring. Where will they live next? Will it be in Miami? Well, we say he's transferring. His name is in the transfer portal. Yeah. Earlier to QB1, I was describing how I went on this eating binge yesterday at about 5 o'clock. I've been on this diet, lost all this weight, but yesterday just hit me. I couldn't eat enough. I couldn't get my hands on food fast enough at about 5 o'clock. And QB1 said, sounds about like every day at 5 p.m. for me. (laughs) And Bully Bill says, um, oh, I don't know what that is. Bully Bill, that might have been for somebody else. I I didn't didn't, uh, get the reference right there. Peanut Butter Falcon says, I fully expect you to use the, uh, oh, zip it, Doris. Oh, you zip it, Doris. Uh, on Chicken Hawk when he calls in and goes over two minutes. Funny. And then Unnamed Texter says, did you see Cole Kublik's tweet this weekend about KJ Costello having seven 300-yard passing games versus Power 5 schools? The second most in the SEC would be Kyle Trask with four. And my thoughts on that. Well, number one, I mean, uh, K.J. Costello is a big-time talent. I mean, people need to realize that. If he's healthy going in and coming out of one year at Mississippi State, whether he throws for 4,000 yards or not, he is an automatic NFL prospect. People need to realize that. That's the level of talent that this K.J. Costello kid is, okay? That's why he had those big passing games over and over again at Stanford. The other side of that is Pac-12 and their schedule, the teams they play, the teams he played against, uh, it you know, full of NFL players. It's a Power 5 conference. It's not quite like what he's going to face in the SEC. <laughs> Kyle Trask done it four times with an SEC schedule, you know? Did he... Did he have a 300-yard passing game against Georgia? Or did he have one against LSU? I mean, you get what I'm saying. If you do it in the SEC, it's a whole different deal. And really, I don't know this, but I would imagine part of the thinking for K.J. Costello coming into the SEC is, you know, I've done this and this and this pre-injury out in the Pac-12. I'm already an NFL prospect. I go do it in the SEC. I'm a first-round prospect. That's probably some thinking there. 
and you go play for Mike Leach, and what are you going to do? You're going to throw the ball. So uh, that's kind of my basic thoughts on that. Yeah. So we talk quarterbacks and dynasties. <laughs> you would not consider uh, the Auburn Tigers at any particular time to, to fall under the category of having a dynasty, would you? Matter of fact, this is interesting. There's a story right now at ESPN.com. Y'all can go read it if you want to. The ESPN staff, they're looking for things to write about, just like everybody else. They did a pretty good job with this. They polled most of the people that write for them at ESPN that cover college sports, and the subject matter was college football's best one-hit wonders. Now, and in the title of it, I clicked on it because I thought, oh, this is perfect. This is about one-hit wonders in college football. Because in the headline, it mentions uh, Kenny Hill, better known as Kenny Trill at Texas A&M, followed Johnny Menzel, remember? It mentions Trevor Knight when he was at Oklahoma before he went to A&M. So I thought it was going to be about individual players. It's not. The article, and the way it's answered by most of the writers, is all about one-hit wonder teams. Ivan Menzel mentions um what the what is he mentioning here he goes way back several examples over history bill connolly mentions the 1990 season when georgia tech and colorado i think shared the national championship talking about one hit wonders chris lowe mentioned mississippi state beating alabama six to three in 1980 as a one hit wonder kind of uses it as a program one hit wonder you know, surprise, surprise that Chris Lowe would do that. But Mark Schlebaugh mentions um, when Trevor Knight and Oklahoma did what they did to Alabama in the 2014 Sugar Bowl. Mentions it as a one-hit wonder. Somebody else uh, brought up, uh, let's see, yeah, Kenny Hill, A&M, Ryan McGee brought up Steve Tannehill at South Carolina. One hit wonder. And, you know, there's been plenty of examples of that. Before I get into the one hit wonderness, wonderfulness of that one year with Cam Newton, let me flip it over here to Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona on the uh, Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Jason? Uh, nothing much. You were talking about dynasties the other earlier, and I couldn't decide whether I wanted to place Nebraska in there or not. Right. I, did you uh, look it up? I didn't look it up. Um, I, I was trying to while I was on hold there. and They had the three, I think it was three championships in four years, you know, there when they, they won one, and then they barely missed another one. Like, they lost two games a year after, and then the next two years is when they just blew everybody apart, yeah. including when they destroyed Florida in that Fiesta Bowl. But right. then Frank Solis won another. They split it, that national championship with Michigan, I think, in 99. And I don't know when the bed known <laughs> the dynasty or if it was just a thing all by itself over here. That's a really good point. And you know what I would like to do too, Jason, is that wasn't the only run of greatness that, a Nebraska team or two had, you know, they had some in the eighties and before that, that's why what I'm going to do is kind of go back. Cause I need to learn and be a little more familiar with it. I've always 
just offhand, you know, been a big fan of Tom Osborne, and nobody debates what a great guy and a great coach he was and what a great program. They are they are kind of credited with being the first big-time college football program to totally invest in weight training to the level that they did, and then everybody else followed suit. But in wins and losses, I need to go back and become familiar. It's a great thought, though, because there's no doubt there was a two, three, four-year period of time where – they were in every they were in every national championship conversation in the preseason because of where they were as a program. I just I don't know how many they won. It was ugly what they did to Florida. Oh, I, I know. I'll never forget that game. What was it? Lawrence Phillips was at the running back, and then I can't yeah. remember the quarterbacks. Tommy Frazier. Frazier. Yeah, Tommy Frazier. Florida. Florida couldn't tackle either one of them. I know. They, it's like it wasn't even fair. It was like. Honestly, it was like watching teams try to tackle Cam Newton in 2010. He yeah. was on a different level than everybody else. Those two guys that particular year and towards the end of the year were just on a different level than everybody else. Yep. Appreciate the call, Jason. Uh, yeah, take it easy. You too, man. It's always great to hear yeah, from you. Right. Thank you. So, today is Cam Newton's birthday. He was born on this day in 1989. Cam Newton, happy birthday. You're 31st in a war eagle to you. Cameron Newton. 31 years old today, born in Atlanta, Georgia. Went to Westlake High School in Atlanta on to Florida. Signed with Florida, y'all remember, went to JUCO, went to Auburn. He was only there one year, and then the number one overall pick in the 2011 draft. Folks, what I and you and the whole world saw him do. Now listen, I know it's the same Cam Newton who dresses up like Minnie Pearl for the post-game press conference, which is part of the just one of the couple of reasons, along with being injured, along with refuses to be a backup, why he probably doesn't have a job right now. It's probably, you know, reasons why. He will have one, though, at some point. But regardless of what we know since 2010, let's say it like it is. I'm not sure I've ever seen a single player play one year in college football, one, and dominate it in his one year the way that Cam Newton did. He was on a different level. And he did stuff I've never seen before, including... In the game of all games in the Iron Bowl, 2010, on the road in Tuscaloosa, after he came out for pregame and the PA announcer played, go on, take the money, and run. run. As accurate as it was, they still fired the PA announcer or the PA guy who played the song, <laughs> kid. After all that, Auburn on the road in Tuscaloosa, Iron Bowl, down 24 to nothing. In the late second quarter, down 24 to nothing on the road in Tuscaloosa. And he led a comeback unlike just about anything I've ever seen. I'm about to play for you highlights of the radio call from the late, great Rod Bramlett. You will also hear color analyst, former Auburn quarterback Stan White in the call. Down 24 to nothing. 
What Cam Newton did in Tuscaloosa, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. Newton steps forward. He's going to throw deep. He's got a man down there. It is cut. Touchdown, Auburn. Emory Blake. 36 yards. He bobbled it as he crossed the goal line, but he held on, and the Tigers are on the board. What a play call right there, and what a play-action fake by Cameron Newton. Ingram in the backfield. And they're just going to flood. Oh, he's not going to get the chance. Ball is loose, and Auburn recovers. McElroy got whacked, and Auburn fell on it at the 13, maybe the 12-yard line. Nick Fairley. Newton directs traffic, waiting for the snap. Makes that handoff, steps back, wants to throw, goes downfield. Zachary makes the catch, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Auburn! 70 yards! Newton takes the snap, he's going to roll right. He's got Fannin wide open at the 5, he's down to the 1, that's a first down and goal for Auburn. Newton waits for it, takes the snap, takes the handoff, he dives in, touchdown Auburn! Cam Newton from one yard out, 4.25 to go on the third, and the Tigers an extra point away from making this ball game. A three-point difference. Ball just inside the seven. Third down. And about three. Tigers down by six. Fannin in the backfield with Newton. Cam takes the snap. Looking for the receiver. He's got Lutzen Kirkin. Touchdown, Auburn! Touchdown, Auburn! Lutzen Kirkin. He threw it back across the field. Seven-yard play. Touchdown, Tigers! We're tied at 27. Josh Harris to snap it to Neil Caudle. There it is. Byram kicks it. And it is good for the first time today. Auburn leads 28 27. The Auburn crowd on their feet in the north end zone. Here's your ball game. McCarron drops back. Throws, and it is incomplete. Nico Thorpe broke it up at the 25 yard line. Intended for Julio Jones. Auburn's going to win. Auburn is going to win. That is your ball game, folks. One of the biggest comebacks in Auburn history and Iron Bowl history. 24 to 3. 24 to nothing. Check that. 28 to 7 is going to be your final score. Wow. Uh, you know, I've just never seen anything like it. Those highlights from the Auburn Network back in 2010 and the voice of their play by play announcer who he and his wife killed in an automobile accident last year, Rod Bramlett on that call. I mean, it's just unheard of in a rivalry game like that, but a couple of ranked teams that were at the top. I think uh, Auburn was number two in that game. Alabama was ranked 11th. Uh, it was Alabama who was, uh, I think, had a couple of, they were 9-2. and two. Auburn was 11-0 and 0 going into that Iron Bowl. But this is an Iron Bowl on the road in Tuscaloosa. Can you imagine being an Auburn fan? And seeing your team down 24 to nothing on the road in the second quarter and just wondering how bad it's going to get with your undefeated season coming to, you know, crashing down to, to earth and then seeing this unfold. This is the other thing about it. In that game, Newton only threw 20 passes, but he completed 13 of them for three touchdowns. 
13 throws, three of them went for TDs, 13 of 20. It was 24-0 Alabama with eight minutes left in the second quarter. Auburn scored a late first-half touchdown. But here's the other part of it. You know, it wasn't really just a Cam Newton game. What happened to Alabama's offense? They're up 24-zip. Eight minutes left in the first half. The rest of the way, he kicked the field goal. And that came right at the end of the third quarter. Nothing after getting up. They relaxed, and Cam Newton happened. That's what happened. He also had a rushing touchdown. Down 24 to nothing. Account for four touchdowns in a 24-point deficit on the road comeback in the Iron Bowl. I've never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. How about that? Greg McElroy was the starter. I remember he got knocked out of that game. A late shoulder injury for Greg McElroy. He went 27 of 37, 377 yards and two touchdowns before getting knocked out. A.J. McCarron came into the game at the end, needing to get him in field goal range, threw four passes and went incomplete on all four. I think the big thing was Alabama couldn't run the ball. That was unusual in that game. Anyway, I know it's 10 years ago, memory lane, but here today on Cam Newton's birthday, and I know all the antics, and I know all the, like I said, dressing up like Minnie Pearl in a post game and all this kind of stuff. But back then, when that happened, my jaw was on the floor. And it pretty much was for the entire country every week. He was uh, that kind of college player. He's a one-hit wonder, all right, in college football, but he's got to be at the top of the list of college football's best one-hit wonders of all time. ESPN puts a list together. Don't even have him on there. Happy birthday, Cam. Now straighten up. (laughs) Hour two continuing. Stick around. Still going strong on this Monday. Let's just call it a Motivation Monday. Are you motivated? I'm motivated to read some of your texts that have come in on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. I opened up a brand new package of the original smoked sausage flavor this morning and started digging in. That was breakfast. Hey, and look at there. Lee, on my Twitter feed, I'm at Radio Wyatt. He also sent it to you, Beaver. Hey, Beaver, you mind if I tell people on the air how to follow you on Twitter? I, I don't know if it's like if you want a lot of people following you or not. Do you want me to tell them? Oh, yeah, that's no big deal. No big deal? Okay, so he is Beaver1059 on Twitter. Y'all follow him if you don't already. Lee sent a tweet to me and Beaver. It says, on the way back from a fishing trip, Had to make a stop. Look at him. He pulled up in the parking lot right in front, the front entrance at the butcher shop at Country Meat Packers, where the country pleasing sausage come from, right there on Highway 49 in Florence, Mississippi. Look for the red awning and the big red hog out front. Pull in and load up. I'm glad you did it, Lee. Glad you did it. And thanks for the picture. We appreciate that. That's going to earn you a retweet. Just like that. There you go. Now it's out there. Regarding Cam Newton, today is Cameron Newton. 
Auburn quarterback, Heisman winner, trophy, everything. MVP of the league at one point, took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, and then it's been downhill from there. He's been hurt, all this. Kind of seemed to go crazy a little bit at times, you know, whatever. It's his 31st birthday today. Mr. Wright on my Twitter feed says, hands down, the greatest single season of college football. SEC champion, Heisman winner, and national champion, Cam Newton. It's hands down the biggest, baddest, one-hit wonder we have ever seen in college football. thing about it is, I mean, he just had one year. Thank goodness. <laughs> if I wanted to go down this path for a solid half hour to the end of the show, I would just ask the question. If Cam Newton had signed with Mississippi State, yes, it would have taken $180,000. But if they had done it and signed Cam Newton, what would that 2010 Mississippi State team have done? What would they have done? We can only speculate. 100 grand on the country pleasing text line says, Matt, can you explain to me why Cam Newton doesn't have a job in the NFL today? I mean, look, just based on play, just based on on the field stuff and past and experience and ability and all this, right? Let's consider. Andy Dalton has gotten a job, a very highly paid backup to Dak Prescott in Dallas. He got a job. Everybody else has popped up. Jameis Winston is a very much publicized and ballyhooed backup now for the New Orleans Saints. Yet Cam Newton is still sitting on the couch waiting for the phone to ring. Well, let me see if I can answer this sort of 100 grand. He does have an injury history, and he is 31 years old, right? Like, it's not like he's 27. That is a little bit of a difference. Paired with the fact that Cam Newton, to this point, has been saying outwardly, openly, for anyone that would listen, I'm not interested in going to being a backup somewhere, right? So other teams are set on quarterbacks. There aren't many out there looking for a starter right now. Teams that needed starters went and drafted one. So in terms of starting jobs, you're not just going to walk in and take over a team right now. There are no, none of those. I mean, I always thought San Diego seemed like it, but they've got Tyrod Taylor, and they went and drafted Justin Herbert out of Oregon in the first round. Anyway, so so that's part of it. You know, all those things mesh together. Say what we want, but the the quirky personality wouldn't jump on the fumble in the Super Bowl, dress up like Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince in your post-game stuff. That whole scene, that hurts him. That hurts him. And then I thought I would give you this. Uh, Greg Bedard, who writes for the Boston Sports Journal, there has been much, much, much talk up in the Boston area about the Patriots possibly reaching out and grabbing Cam Newton. They have Jarrett Stidham, another former Auburn quarterback. How ironic would it be if they went and got Cam Newton, yet Stidham wound up being the starter for the Patriots while Cam Newton sat on the bench? Anyway, none of that's happened yet. Here's what he wrote. Here's what Greg Bedard wrote. 
As for the Patriots' possible interest in Newton, it's unlikely due to their cap situation. But should that change to a uh, Thune trade, I think you pronounce it Thune, he's one of their offensive linemen, or extension, the Patriots have some interest, but only if the medicals come back clean and the team believed Newton would be completely buying into their team-only concept. As for dismissing Newton as a possibility, as a possible Patriot, simply because he's not a prototypical quarterback, that's also, he says, a complete misnomer. The Patriots fit their players into the system, not vice versa. That's why they win. Uh, if the Patriots have the cap space and know that Newton is healthy, Newton fits into their culture, and his salary is a fit from a player valuation standpoint, then it's entirely possible the team would sign him. But see, to answer your question, 100 grand, we are down to a situation where right now, given his ability, still because of his age and injury history, and dressing up like Minnie Pearl in the postgame, there's just not a market out there right now at this moment, much of one for Cam Newton. Isn't that something? Isn't it funny how things turn? Norman, Coffee Norman, over here on the uh, Country Pleasing text line says, Matt, uh, Greg McElroy is a pretty straight shooter. I wonder what he would say about that game today. It was something else. Cam did most of it while standing in the pocket. It was incredible. It was incredible. See, that's the thing about it. Look, 2010 Iron Bowl, Auburn down 24 to nothing on the road, come back and beat Alabama. Cam Newton throws for three and runs for another. But his touchdown run was from like a yard out. He had some big run. He had a big fourth down conversion run in the second half. But he didn't have he was not even a 100 yard rusher in the ball game. He ran for like 50, 60 yards. You're right. Normally he did most of it from the pocket. <laughs> Throwing these deep balls, like putting the money, putting the ball on the money, but was only 13 of 20. It's like they were down 24 nothing. He flipped the switch the rest of the way, like he completed 10 passes, and three of them went for big touchdowns. Just dime, dime, little play action, throw back to tight end, dime. Fourth down conversion, third down conversion. They they just did whatever they wanted, and then I don't know. It, it, you just you're just not going to see an Iron Bowl where one team is ahead that much, and then the other team dominates it the rest of the way. I don't know what Gene Chizik said to them when they were down twenty four nothing, but whatever Auburn was paying Gene Chizik, they got every dime worth of it with eight minutes left in the first half of the 2010 Iron Bowl. I can promise you that. And on that, Coffee Norman, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. From High Point Roasters in New Albany. This is really incredible. Do y'all do like me? And I mean, every year, I get to want football. It usually doesn't happen to me until late June and I start getting the football hunger. Like I had the, the diet hunger just came over me yesterday afternoon at 5 o'clock. I start getting the football hunger. 
late June, I can't get enough. I start watching games on the old networks. I start watching games on YouTube. It hit me yesterday how unbelievably sad it is for me right now in the middle of May that I am not going to the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover in two weeks. I'm really, really, really going to miss it. It's the thing I look forward to the most throughout the year in terms of SEC championship events. So I went ahead and this morning when I realized it was Cam Newton's birthday, I pulled up that game. It was a CBS broadcast, but I found a version on YouTube that was not the CBS audio with the video. It was the Rod Bramlett audio with the video. And, uh, man, it lit a fire into me. It's got me wanting to go back and watch some of these games. Kevin, watching on Facebook, says, if I remember correctly, Auburn would have had a different outcome to the season had we not dropped a wide-open touchdown pass. Yeah. Uh, the Mississippi State-Auburn game earlier that year was played in September. Cam Newton led Auburn in there. It was a 17-14 game. I think it was 17-14 was the final. Right? <clears throat> and, and the big drop at the end, it might have been a touchdown, but if it if nothing else, it would have put State in field goal range with a chance to tie it, maybe get it to overtime. State's defense in 2010 was really good, loaded with NFL players. Fletcher Cox and all those guys. Um, it would have been something had you gone to overtime. All right, we'll finish it up with you next. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. to go with you here on this Monday. Kind of getting ready to wrap it up. Appreciate you turning, tuning in. Don't turn in yet. I appreciate you tuning in, listening however, wherever, whenever, especially all the comments. So a lot of text today on the Country Pleasing text line. Got to hear from Jason on the phone line and Facebook and Twitter. We've had a, today's just one of those days where I had a million different tweets uh, during the show about the show. So it's great to hear from everybody in, in one way or the, uh, or the other. Look, real quick, and then I'm going to move on from the, the Cam Newton thing. I mentioned it's Cam's birthday. We've had a fun time talking about him. And, and hey to you and, and Jennifer, uh, Kevin, appreciate you tuning in. Hope you all are doing well over on the uh, Facebook feed. Let me just give you one more thought. 100 grand asked the question. He's asking what everybody asked. Explain to me why Cam Newton doesn't have a job. Last week when Cam Newton came up, somebody says, well, he's a former NFL MVP. And, and my response was, that's great. But what is that worth? What does that mean? You know, the teams and the coaches and the evaluators and the players on the other teams, they don't care if you're a former MVP or not. That didn't mean anything to them. It's about, can you go be another MVP? <laughs> do you have a chance to do that? <clears throat> so, 
lots of stuff out there. Wes said on Facebook, he's a me guy, not a team guy. He's a me guy. Plus he's injury plagued. He is older now, 31. He said, well, I don't want to be a backup. He also hasn't been able to work out for teams because of the uh, pandemic. You know, does that hurt? I'm, yeah, absolutely it does. But all the antics. He has at times come across as a me guy. It's gotten worse over the years. Like I said, I've brought it up a million times, broken record, but the post-game stuff, you know, and dressing up weird and just being, you know, being weird. People just don't want that. Maybe the best example of how that stuff affects you. This is a great example for all of us. Whatever situation you're in right now, whatever job you're in right now, and you may be in a job right now that you feel like you're going to do it the rest of your life. There's no need for you to go out here and be like auditioning for your next job. But there ought to be a standard you're trying to live up to in every way because you never know who's looking. You never know what it may mean down the road. That's just the truth. And so the best example is, think about this. We're sitting here talking about Cameron Newton. Cam Newton, the former number one pick MVP, took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, is without a job. Nobody will sign him right now. The coach he played under in Carolina on their way to the Super Bowl, Ron Rivera, is now the first-year coach of the Washington Redskins who need a better quarterback situation. They need good quarterback play. The four quarterbacks on the roster for the Washington Redskins for Ron Rivera are Dwayne Haskins, who they drafted in the first round a couple years ago, Alex Smith still on the roster, recovering from a gruesome leg injury. Steven Montez, an undrafted rookie free agent out of Colorado. I watched him play on TV yesterday against Mike Leach's Washington State team. And the fourth is Kyle Allen, the former Texas A&M quarterback who transferred to Houston, who played for Rivera this past year while Cam Newton was injured in Carolina. Those are the four quarterbacks on the roster for Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera coached Cam Newton all those years, went to a Super Bowl with Cam Newton, need a quarterback to take over in Washington. Yet they aren't touching him with a 10-foot pole. Ron Rivera, who knows Cam Newton probably as well as anybody in the NFL, is not interested in signing him in Washington. Our perception on the surface, any of us, me, you, any of us, would Cam Newton be a better option at quarterback than any of these? Haskins, Kyle Allen, undrafted free agent or an injured Alex Smith? Yeah, yet they're not going to sign him. You know why? Because they are sick and tired of dealing with him. If Ron Rivera felt like he wanted to be around Cam Newton and Cam Newton could come in there and lead a new locker room, He'd sign him right now. They would have already signed him somehow, some way. That's my take on that. Hey, here's a story I want to pass along to you before we're done. And then a couple of highlights. Uh, this is jumping around, so just, just hang with me, okay? <clears throat> It'd be what we call in media a non sequitur. You don't know what that is. That's whatever. Associated Press story. The president of the University of Virginia, 
did an interview and predicts no normal football season. James Ryan, president UVA, told CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday that athletic director Carla Williams and football coach Bronco Mendenhall are committed to a safe return to play, but that nothing will proceed until medical officials say it is safe to, quote, we're taking it day by day. Obviously, we need to have students back on grounds before football can begin. Then he said, I don't imagine it will look like normal football seasons. Just like I don't imagine, even if we have all students back on campus, it will look like a normal semester. It will not be a normal semester next fall. That is from the president of the University of Virginia, who, by the way, they got a very much improving football team. They were good last year. By the way, too, um, that football program under Bronco Mendenhall, they got the quarterback transfer out of Mississippi State, uh, Keaton Thompson. Again, I just I keep seeing quotes and quotes and quotes that football will be played. It will be played this fall when students are open, you know, campuses are open, but it won't be starting on time in September. It's coming. It will be soon. It will not be next year. It will be this fall. I still think it'll be October 1st in a shortened season. We'll see. Anybody can predict. We can all do that. I just wanted to pass that along to you. Oh, three, here's three other things I want to pass along to you. This on the baseball front. On this day in Major League Baseball, in 1996, Al Leiter threw a no-hitter for the Florida Marlins. 30-year-old Al Leiter comes home. Struck him out. The Marlins have their first no-hitter in history. Al Leiter has done it. Also on this day, a few years later, 2003, in his last at-bat of a homestand at that time, 38-year-old, 38-year-old first baseman Rafael Palmero on a full count against David Elder of the Indians became the second player in that particular year, the 19th player overall ever, ever, ever to hit his 500th career home run. He beats it! Three hundred and seventy foot shot over the right field wall at the ballpark at Arlington made Rafi the first native of Cuba to reach the coveted milestone. Yeah, I was reading that. Also, May the eleventh, uh, two thousand and what year was this? Two thousand sixteen. It was a big day for the Nationals and Max Scherzer. Swing and a miss. Twenty strikeouts for Max Scherzer. One more out to get to win it. And one more to stand alone with strikeouts. So that was Scherzer. He tied a a major league mark, 20 strikeouts in a nine-inning game. Roger Clemens did it twice, 86 and 96. Kerry Woods did it in 1998 for the Cubs. Kerry Wood. Randy Johnson did it for the Diamondbacks in 01. And then 
You're talking about 15 years later, Scherzer was the next to do it. That was 2016. He was 31 at the time. It was a three to two win over the Nat. I'm sorry, over the Tigers at Nats Park. Uh, pretty neat deal. How about that, Rafi? On this day, 2003, Palmero, 500th career home run. A pretty cool thing. Okay, and listen, um, I, I want to give you a heads up. Looking ahead to uh, this week. I, I don't know everything that we'll get into as we won't plan everything out. I don't know everything that we'll get into on this show going forward. But I do know that uh, starting tomorrow, I'm going to dive in and, and talk to some people. We haven't done a ton of interviews over the last couple of weeks just because there hasn't been a ton to interview about. Uh, but now we do with this announcement that the Major League Baseball draft is going to be shortened down to five rounds. They will have kind of some you know, equal playing field across Major League Baseball to sign people outside of the draft, but it will be for limited amounts of money. It's basically putting all the later rounds of the draft off, which is going to have a huge effect, I think, on college baseball rosters. So rather than speculate about it, I'll see about uh, getting some answers. So we'll jump into that and see if we can talk to some people over the next few days who know and have a better idea how this might affect these college baseball rosters, what it could mean. That's just one of the things we'll get into this week going forward here on the show. Appreciate y'all tuning in. However, whenever, wherever. Let's do it again tomorrow, same time, same place, in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. See y'all then. See ya!